Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Um, so... We have been in this series called Make Room since the beginning of January, and today is our last message on the topic of making room. And we've been on a journey as a church of trying to reduce the noise in our lives, trying to create space maybe for God to speak to us a little bit more clearly. And, uh, and today is the final message where we try and uh, can tie up uh, this series in a nice bow of, uh, of making room for God to do something special and significant in our life. And I've got a question for you this morning, church. I've got a question for you this morning, and the question is this. When was the last time, when was the last time that you were observing a situation or a set of events take place? When was the last time you were observing something take place and you had this thought, well, that's not going to end well. Well, that's not going to end well. I feel most of my parenting is thinking that thought as my kids do something. And it's always in these moments that things seem to happen in slow motion. Am I right? Like, I can see that Lena, my one-year-old, has her fingers firmly in the frame of the door. And I can see that Romeo, my three-year-old, with no malicious intent, is running full pout towards the door. But I just can't quite get the words out. It's, oh, Lena. It's like they happen in slow motion, but I just can't. Like I can see that our sliding patio doors to the garden are shut. And I can see that Romeo thinks they're open in the way that he is running full pout towards the glass door. But I just can't quite get the words out in time before. Oh, Romeo. Straight in. Or um, this happens every dinner time. I can see that my wife Amy is wearing a white top. And I can see that Lena has a spoonful of spaghetti bolognese or pasta bake or lasagna or curry. And I know that in one swift movement, the spoon is going to be flicked into Amy's direction. But I just can't quite get the words out in time before the food flies over and lands on the white top. And you have that thought, I know this isn't going to end well, but I just can't quite help the situation before it's already taken place. And uh, it's so much easier to spot this in other people's lives, isn't it? Like it's so much easier to spot the mistakes other people make or the situations other people are in rather than spotting it in your own life. Like it's so much easier to spot your friend picking up with that guy or that girl again. And you know that it's going to end the same way it ended the last time and the time before that and the time before that. You know it's not going to end well, but you can't possibly tell your friend that. Like, you know this isn't going to end well. It's so much easier to spot it in someone else. Or, or you can tell that your co-worker, who's just flipped their lid again at their boss, you, you know that's not the right way to handle the situation. You know that's not going to end well for your co-worker. But you just, you just can't do anything about it in the moment. Or at school, you know that your friend's not doing their homework isn't going to end well for them, despite the greatest excuse that they've prepared over the last week. You know it's not going to end well for them, but you just can't quite do anything in the moment to help them. You know it's not going to end well. You're watching it play out. You can see it taking place, and you know it's not going to end well. And here's the thing, and I sometimes do this when I'm observing other people, never myself, obviously. It's almost as if some people make decisions that actively harm them. 
It's almost like they're desiring sadness or heartbreak or heartache. It's almost like they're making decisions with a desire to be upset. And when I'm watching things play out in other, never my own life, when I'm watching things play out in other people's lives, it's almost as if they're trying to cause themselves harm. But the thing is, no one is actively trying to cause themselves harm, are they? No one's actively making decisions to create sadness or heartbreak or harm. No one actually does that because that would be ridiculous. Yet, and this is true for my own life, we can still find ourselves in moments of regret. And we can still find ourselves looking back at the set of circumstances that has played out or the decisions we made yesterday or last month or last year. And we can still find ourselves thinking, why on earth did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Why did I do that thing? Why did I let that happen? It's not like we're actively trying to cause ourselves pain. That would be ridiculous. But whatever mechanism we use to make decisions, whatever intentions or instincts we had in that moment has led to a series of events that means we find ourselves in a moment of pain. Like if you were to look back at your biggest regret in life, in that moment, you weren't trying to cause yourself regret. That would be crazy. It just so happened the decision you made in the moment led to a set of events that has caused regret in your own life. Like no one gets married in the hope of a painful divorce. That would be silly, right? No one makes financial investments in the hope of losing all their money. That would be silly. No one procrastinates on their homework or their exam preparation in the hope of failing GCSEs or A-levels at university. That would be silly. And yet we can still find ourselves in moments where we've caused ourselves regret or we've caused ourselves pain or we've caused ourselves harm or heartache, even though our best intentions are ones of trying to find happiness or joy or freedom or insert whatever word you want to there. We can still find ourselves in moments where we have caused pain or regret. And this is what I've realized, and I think you'll, you'll notice it to be true in your own life. Here's what I've realized, and it's, it's this. What brings us happiness today isn't always what brings us happiness tomorrow. What brings us happiness today might not be what brings us happiness tomorrow. See, I think, and when I observe the world and when I observe some of my past decisions, often the chief motivator for that decision has been what will make me happy. In this moment, what decision can I make that is most likely to bring me happiness? And so I make that decision. And for a moment, I find happiness. For a moment, I find just what I was looking for. But the thing is, what brought us happiness today might not bring us happiness tomorrow. What brought you happiness yesterday or last month or last year might be the very thing that means you now find yourself in a moment of regret or pain or heartache. Why? Because what brought us or what brings us happiness today might not be what brings us happiness tomorrow. Have you ever noticed this in your own life? We can be searching for this elusive thing of happiness and just when we think we've got it, something happens and the happiness evaporates right before our eyes. It's fleeting, comes and goes. And yet, it's like the primary motivator, one of the primary decision makers in our life. What is the thing in this moment that's going to bring me happiness, even though it's not been trusted in the past and it might not be trusted in the present either? So, we've got about 10 minutes left of the Make Room series. 
And in those 10 minutes, what I'm hoping we can do is work out, is there something we can do today? Is there a way we can make decisions today? Is there a way we can shift our motivations or our focus today so that we can guarantee some form of happiness tomorrow? Because making decisions based on happiness doesn't work. Making decisions on what feels right in the moment doesn't work. That's what can lead to a life of hurt or regret or pain. So is there anything we can do today to guarantee happiness tomorrow? That's a good question, right, church? That's a good question. Right. So to answer that question, we are going to take a look at the words of Jesus, as recorded by Dr. Luke, who is a physician turned journalist. He wrote down the words of Jesus from eyewitnesses. He released his book while those eyewitnesses were still alive so that people could verify what these words were and that they were said and that they were true. And Luke records Jesus as saying this, whoever wants to be my disciple or follower of Jesus or Christian, to insert today's language there, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny the themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Here's an incredible question that Jesus just throws in there at the end. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? This is what Jesus says when he speaks into this situation, when he speaks into these moments that we can go through. And Charlotte, the next slide will focus on one of the key sentences that I think I want to frame this message on. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, for Jesus, will save it. And you see there's a distinction we can make here. See, there's a distinction between the world and what the world says and what the world thinks and society and our co-workers who don't belong to Jesus. There's a, there's a distinction between what the world thinks and what Jesus thinks. See, the world, as we've learned, makes decisions based on happiness. What feels good in the moment? Who can I hook up with now to give me a little bit of joy in this moment? The world makes decisions based on happiness. But see, Jesus in this verse, he's not just talking about happiness. He's leveled it up. He's taken it to a deeper level. Jesus is talking about life. Not just happiness, but life. And see, when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking Greek. And the word for life that he used is suke. You're going to say suke with me. Are you ready? We're going to say suke on three. One, two, three. Suke. And see, suke doesn't just mean life, which is already a level up from happiness. Suke is rooted in the same word for our soul. That part of you that you can't quite describe, but you know is there. That part of you that comes alive a little bit when we sing songs of worship. That part of you that maybe if you're not a Christian, you're just starting to realise does exist within you and is a real thing and, and gives you emotions and feelings and a sense of purpose. That part of you that if you are a Christian, you edify and you speak to and you grow and you, you care about. The seat of your emotions, your soul. Jesus isn't just speaking about happiness and he's not just speaking about life. He's speaking about life for your soul, your inmost being. The part of you that matters more than maybe any other part of you, your soul. Who knows? They can go through painful moments in life. But if your soul is steadfast, if your soul is secure, you'll be okay. Who also knows you can go through great moments in life, but if your soul isn't okay, you feel more pain than you could through any external circumstances you go through. Why? Jesus is speaking to our soul, our suke. And he says there's something greater than life we can experience. There's something greater than happiness we can experience. He comes to us and he offers us life for our souls. 
And if we were to take it one step further, it's this. See, when the world speaks about happiness and when the world offers us happiness, the problem is, as we know, it's fleeting. It comes and goes. It changes with the wind. What makes us happy today doesn't necessarily make us happy tomorrow. We might think we found this elusive thing called happiness and then our external circumstances change and we're plunged into sadness all over and we've done nothing wrong. But the happiness is fleeting. But here's the thing about the soul life that Jesus offers us every single day. It's not fleeting. It's eternal. It's forever present. No matter the moments you go through, no matter the pain that you might experience, no matter what your family goes through, your friends go through, if you find life for your soul, it stays with you through every circumstance. And that's what Jesus offers us. He doesn't just say, hey, 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 I've got great happiness for you. No, he says, I've got life for your soul. That's what's on offer here. That's what Jesus offers us every single day. Life for our soul, suke. Sounds like something you want to eat for breakfast. Suke. And so maybe the final question of this series We can see this distinction between happiness and life. We can see this distinction between searching for something that's fleeting and searching for something that's eternal. We can see that there's maybe something on offer that means we don't have to live with the same regrets, that means we don't have to have those thoughts of, well, this isn't going to end well. There's something on offer here that means that pain may be helped and and eased and, and means that actually we can find a life that maybe we've been searching for. So the question is, how do we get it? How do we experience this suke that Jesus offers us? How do we experience this life for our souls? And I think if we could sum up everything of the Make Room series, if we could take everything we've been taught since the beginning of January to now, if we could take every message and every prophetic word that's been shared over the last two months, I think it could all boil down to one word, one word that God and Jesus are speaking into this church in this moment, one word that God is speaking over your life, one word that might just unlock something in your life that you've been waiting for. If you're new in this building, one word that might just change the course of your life and your family's life and your children and their children for eternity. If you're not new here, one thing that might unlock the door to that pain and sadness you've still been carrying with you, even though you think you're a Christian, so life should be okay. One word that might just change everything for this community we're serving. One word that will change the homes that surround this building. One word that will change everything for us. And that one word is this church. Surrender. Surrender changes everything see when we when we can come to Jesus and we can say hey look I've got my motives and my plans and my dreams and my aspirations I've got these things I want to do but you know what Jesus I'm gonna I'm gonna give them to you first and when we can submit our own desires and what we want to see achieved at the feet of Jesus that's when Jesus says you will find life And so we can do all we can in our 70, 80, 90 years on this planet to try and gain happiness. And we can buy all the cars and have the nice house and we can sleep with every man or woman on the planet. Jesus says this, what good is it for man to gain the whole world but lose or forfeit their very self, their soul? What good is it? Or, and I think maybe this is why you're in the room, because you've realized something that a lot of people never realize that they can search and search and search and never truly find what they're looking for. Why? Because the thing they're looking for is suke, soul life, something that is only on offer 
through a guy called Jesus who gave his life for you. And when we submit our life and our very self and our thinking and our desires and our pain and our nervousness and our anxiety, when we submit that to Jesus, in that moment, we find the suke that we've been looking for. Man, that's powerful. You can applaud that, church. You can applaud that. Suke. There's a... um. There's probably two applications for this message, all, all based around surrender. See, um, if you are new in this place, if you are, are new and, and you're exploring what this life of a Christian or follower of Jesus means, then this message is probably going to sound pretty dramatic because you've just been told to submit your whole life to Jesus in the faint hope, maybe, that you might just find what you're looking for. And so that sounds quite dramatic. And and we can share testimonies of how that's been true in our life and uh and there, I think because you're in this room, and if that is you, then you've probably exhausted a lot of the other options on offer. And now you're maybe ready for something a little bit more radical that might just solve that itch, or solve that thing you're looking for, which is, is pretty cool. And so that, and there's going to be an opportunity at the end of the service, we're going we're gonna to ask if there's anyone that wants to commit their life to Jesus. And maybe in that moment, you might just understand what you're looking for. But um, what it can be so easy to do, and, and I read this in my Bible this week as part of my devotions, what it can be so easy to do is, if you've been a Christian for like any length of time, we'll say over a year, you can read that and think, well, I've done that already. I gave my life to Jesus. He lives in me. Holy Spirit's power lives in me, and I can walk with that and carry that everywhere I go. And so it can be so easy to be dismissive of verses like this, because I've already surrendered my life. And actually, I already believe I know what it's like to experience this soul life and walk in that. And it's pretty cool, so that's good, but I've ticked that box already. But for those of us that are maybe thinking that right now, the first verse of what Jesus speaks is so powerful because Jesus says we must take up our cross daily. We must submit to him daily. It's not a once in a lifetime job done, tick that box, off we go. It's a daily re-surrender, a daily recommitment to follow his ways, a daily opportunity to lay ourselves down and our, our pain down and our joys down and our motives down and, and ask Jesus to come in and, and manage that. And last week we had Ali Jarvis with us and she shared a word that I think is really poignant for this moment. And uh, she spoke about how so oftentimes, especially those of us that have been around the block as Christians, we, um, we can think we've given everything over to Jesus, but actually... There's a part of our lives where maybe we haven't given everything over to Jesus. Like on the face of it, we've surrendered all. But actually, if we were to really think about it, if we were to really allow Jesus in to speak to us, there's a part of our life that maybe we've been withholding from him. And uh, God really convicted me on this this week. See, um, me and my family, we are robust budgeters. We budget everything. Uh, me and Ames have been married for seven years next week. And I reckon over the last seven years, I could probably tell you just about where every pound that we've spent has gone. We've got many spreadsheets. Love a spreadsheet. Go mad for a spreadsheet. Love it. And, uh, and Ames, um, many of you know this, gave up her job at the end of January. She's retired at the age of 27. Uh, she's a full-time mum in this season. And, and so that meant that this year, our budget has been more robust than ever. We've cut some costs and we've worked out just about where every penny is going to go each month, right? 
And, uh, and as part of that, we, uh, we budget to be generous. So we, we budget to tithe and give our offerings to this house. And we, um, we sponsor some children through a charity called Compassion, which helps uh, underprivileged children elsewhere. And we've got a little bit of money that we set aside each month just so that if we hear of a need, we can maybe give a little bit towards it. And what that's done is it means I've boxed God into about 12% of my budget every year. And I've said, God, you've got 12%. You use that as you want. I'll spend that on anything you want. But this, you know, 88%, 78%, whatever's left, that's mine. And I'm going to pay the mortgage with that. I'm going to buy some food with that. And we're going to go on holiday with that. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's good stewardship. And that means we're spending our money wisely. and We're not being willy-nilly with our budgets, but we're living within our means. But the problem is, what if God wants more than just my 12% budget? And that's what God was pressing on my heart this week. Like, what if he needed more of that? What if he asked for more of that? Would that be oh? Okay, and it doesn't mean I'm going to immediately give away my whole salary to a charity because that would be silly. But there was just a little heart check for me this week in my devotions. Like, oh, is that, is that really true of me? Have I really given my whole self to, to Jesus? Or have I decided to withhold a little bit that I don't want him to touch? That I think I know what's best in that moment. I think I know what's best for my finance. Or do I truly trust that the person who created heaven and earth, that the person who knit me together in my mother's womb, do I really trust that he knows what's best for my life, for my finances? And for you, maybe that's it, or for you, maybe it's something different. Maybe it'd be a relationship you're in, and you've been withholding that relationship from God because you believe you know what's best for your love life or your relationships. And you believe you know what's best in that moment, but actually, Jesus comes to you today and says, hey, if you want to experience the fullness of life, if you want to experience this soul life that I've been speaking about, then maybe you need to submit that relationship as well, or that job, or for parents, this is a hard one, your children, your friendships, or your household, or your future aspirations and your future dreams. And can we truly say everything is laid down before Jesus? Can we truly say our whole life is laid down? it's in that moment that we experience suke, soul life. And I want to give a moment at the end of this service for Jesus to speak to you. And uh, what we're going to do is something a little bit different. Ollie's going to sing, but I don't want you to sing. And I don't want you to stand up. In fact, you can stay sat right there. Some of you are like, yes. And, uh, and I want you to open up your heart to Jesus in this moment. And I want you to ask Jesus to speak to your life. What is it for you that you've been withholding? Is there some pride that you've been withholding? Is there some, some bitterness or anger that you've been holding on to, even though months and maybe even years have passed, but you just can't quite let that unforgiveness go? Is there something in your life that you've been withholding from Jesus? Because when we surrender that before him, when we come before him and truly say, God, you have it all, that's when we find Suke, Sola. Someone's here and uh, you've experienced this Suke, this soul life before. You've been in rooms like this maybe for years in the past where you've experienced what we've been talking about this morning, when you've experienced purpose, where you've experienced your soul being alive in a way that you can't even imagine right now. And, uh, and you've heard this message and you've thought, oh shoot, I've, I've missed it because I, I had that and I've lost it and now the opportunity is gone and, uh, and maybe there's 
you're feeling like there's no way back because you, you've had it and you've now lost it. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying to you right now is that uh, this isn't a one-time only offer. This isn't like, there's not an expiry date on his love. There's not like, a, oh, well, you've claimed that offer. You've claimed that reward in the Jesus app. And so now you can't claim that reward again because you've used it on yourself, you know, a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And uh, so Jesus says to you right now, this is an offer that is always available. You always have the opportunity to surrender to him. And the promise is always the same, that when you do that, you will find soul life. That's a word of someone. I've got another word as well. Um, you, someone's here and you've been searching for, your, your happiness is um, rooted in a desire for comfort and security. And, and I think maybe financial, but I may be wrong there. And so you've been, you've been searching for like a comfort and a security and you've been making decisions based on what will bring the most comfort or the most security for um, this season of your life. But Jesus says, like, look, I'm here and I can provide you all of the comfort and all of the security you want. But actually, maybe what you need to do in this moment is surrender your comfort and surrender your security to him because in that you will find your soul life. And, and when you do that, you realize maybe comfort and security aren't the greatest things you can look for in this world. Maybe there's some purpose you can find in this world. Maybe there's some vision you can find in this world. Maybe there's an outworking of God's gift in your life that you'll find in this world. But before you do that, you need to surrender your comfort and your security rooted in happiness at the cross. But when you do that, man alive, God starts to move through you. Those are two words for someone. And, uh, is this making sense, church? Will you stand up with me? And um, there's one more thing that I've got on my heart to share in the final five minutes. And, um, and this is it. And I, and I think, I've said this a lot in the last 20 minutes, but if God was tying up this series in a beautiful bow with us and wrapping it nicely and, and framing it um, for us, I think like, there's, there's a point to surrender, and, and the point is soul life. Um, but when we, when we surrender to God, that is when we create the environment in our lives to walk in a miraculous way that in other ways we wouldn't be able to walk in. Because when we surrender our desires and our pride and our, our will sometimes and our anxiety and our fear, and when we surrender our logic and our thinking, when we surrender that to, to Jesus, we have an opportunity to walk in a miraculous way that we wouldn't have when we're holding on to our logic and our thinking and our wills and our motives and our pride and our desires. And um, we prayed for Rob Blagden last week and, um, and we surrendered that before Jesus and we, we stepped out and Lisa I mean she prayed an incredible prayer I don't know if you noticed what Lisa did when she prayed for Rob last week she didn't ask God to heal him she spoke out healing over him it wasn't like oh let's, let's ask God to do this why? because Lisa understands that we've already been given that we've already been given the healing we've actually been commanded to speak healing over people we are commanded to heal the sick it's not a suggestion it's not a, a request it's a command that Jesus says uh, at the end of his life and I thought Lisa's prayer was incredible last week because she just speaks out healing but the thing is when she did that and when we all stood in agreement with her something shifted in Rob's life so much so that 24 hours later the doctors could not believe the miraculous change that had happened in his life how good's that? and uh and we've got um, Mike, who's uh, sat partway by. Why don't you give us a wave, Mike? There's Mike. And um, Mike's going in for an operation in Birmingham on Tuesday for some heart surgery. Um, just, just a bit of heart surgery. 
you're saying brain. Mike told me heart. Is it heart or brain, Mike? It is heart. Heidi pointing at your brain, just trying to trip me up. I know, I had loads of people pointing at their brains. Come on, people. Um, and, uh, and so we've, we've agreed that we will not just pray for Mike, but how about we speak some healing and life over him? Like, how incredible would it be if he got into pre-op on Tuesday and the doctors were like, why the flip are you here, Mike? Your heart's absolutely fine. And, um, and I know there will be other people in a room like this and you've, you're experiencing some form of physical pain. And my belief is that when we surrender ourselves before Jesus, that's, that creates an environment in our hearts to be used by him in a miraculous way. So uh, if you've got like pain or sickness in your body and you would like some prayer, I'm going to make this really simple. Pop up a hand and um, we're going to believe that that shifts in the name of Jesus. Nice and simple. So if that's you, pop up a hand. If that's not you, find someone with a hand up. Let's get some people around Mike. Pray for his heart. Um, and like this is our chance to move church. I don't want to do this all by myself. So move, get out of your seats, go find someone with a hand up speak some healing speak some life over them believe that you are empowered by jesus that as we surrender our pride our logic our thinking to him that god might just shift something powerful and um, while we pray ollie will you sing over us and um and let's just release the gift of healing right now over this place In jesus name Lord, right now we claim the promise of healing that you have given us. We thank you that your death and resurrection has not just saved our souls, but opens up the way for us to walk in healing and life and so right now in this room we speak against any sickness any pain any illness any death that may be present we command that to leave in the name of Jesus right now and in its place we speak life and wholeness and healing and we speak tendons to be mended and we speak blood vessels to be restored and we speak whatever needs to be healed in the name of Jesus to be healed so that we can walk in the miraculous that you have called us to so that we can experience the life that you've called us to so right now we speak complete life and wholeness and healing over every single person in this room and we believe in your name that we are healed and whole in the name of Jesus and if you believe that why don't we sing this out together as we close our service thank you Ollie that we have a testimony of going from death to life and uh, I want to invite you today if, if you've not experienced what we're celebrating this morning that we understand that we have a God in heaven who loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die in our place for our mistakes for our mess willingly went to the cross said I'll go lay his life down for us so that we could be free from sin so that we could be brand new in fact the Bible says that the old has gone and the new has come I am a new creation in Christ Jesus I'm a new creation in what he accomplished on the cross and what he did on the third day when he rose again to life with my life with it and so if you'd like to know Jesus today if you'd like to him to, to invite him into your world then it's really simple the Bible says anyone who believes um, in their heart 
and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. So you just say, hey, hey, Jesus, here's the keys. Here's the keys to my life. I surrender, which is what Greg's been talking about. So Jesus, I come before you today knowing that I need you, that I have sinned and I have fallen short. But God, you promised me life and life to the full. And so I say, come forgive me now. Come and live in my heart, Lord God. Come and fill me with your spirit so that I can live this life for you, Jesus. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me so that I could live for you. And Jesus, I thank you that you died, but you rose again and you brought my life with it. And so I receive you now as my Lord and as my Saviour. I want to live the rest of my life for you. I want to live the rest of my days for you. Teach me how to understand who you are. Teach me how to live out this new freedom that I have found in you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And change my life. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, the Bible says that there is celebration over one person who says yes to Jesus. And so let's celebrate that right now. Uh, And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the 10th time, uh, you want to get a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible before you leave today. Uh, You can come to the Tell Me More banner after the service. We'd love to put one of those in your hands. Don't forget, we've got Encounter Night this week. I think it's Wednesday, 7.30. And we are doing baptisms, everyone, which is going to be amazing. Uh, So we will see you there at the Annex. If you need more details for any of the things we've mentioned today, please head to the Tell Me More banner after the service. And Mother's Day is coming up real soon. And we will always make this a treat uh, for for, uh, people in our world. It's a great opportunity to invite someone to church that you haven't before. So I encourage you to do that. Have an absolutely fantastic week and we'll see you back here and the kids will be back on everybody next week uh, 10 o'clock for breakfast see ya